0: Can I just say, I miss you so much. It's like so crazy how, um, and I'm not like hormonal at the moment, so I wish I could blame it on something like that, but it's just not. It's just me being like real emo right now. Um, okay. But yeah, I, I miss you so much. It's like even just thinking about you, I sometimes get all like teary eyed and shit. Oh. Uh uh. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like oh, yeah, being not... this no I'm just kidding <laughs> yeah.
1: um, no I miss, I miss you too obviously yeah I know obviously. as as per our our FaceTime conversation the other day
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was like okay I have to go
0: I have to go <laughs> <laughs> I felt the same I, felt I was in public
1: same. I was can't stop tearing my face <laughs> <laughs> in public
0: <laughs> oh yeah Oh, man. (laughs) I really want to hear about Mexico. I mean, we don't have to put this in the show, but I I want to hear about the sweat lodges and... Uh, Oh, my God.
1: So amazing. Um, The trip was great. It it was... Well, we went to Mexico City for the first, like, uh, six days, maybe. And Mm -hmm. then we were there during Day of the Dead. And... uh, Day of the Dead is typically like a family kind of oriented holiday, right? So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a time to honor loved ones who have passed. And it's a time that they believe that like the spirits of past loved ones or friends, uh, comes, they come back, right? And you, you celebrate with them just their life and whatever. So mm. typically they'll go to like graveyards and they'll actually like cook food. And bring drinks and all of their like deceased ones' like favorite dishes or favorite drinks, maybe like tequila or mezcal. And they'll light candles and burn like copal and sing and play music and eat food at the graves. It's like a celebration of wow. life through death. It's really interesting. Um, so we went over to his friend's house for that, and usually households will have like a like an it's called an offerenda so it's like a altar so they'll have these flowers that grow around day of the dead every year they're like these orange kind of ruffly flowers and pictures and food offerings and drink offerings and stuff on like a big table so they had that and it was really nice and they made this like special food that they only make on Dia de los Muertos and they fed us and whatever so it was really really beautiful and they had the cutest little son. His name was Camillo and he was two years old and he was about a foot and a half high, super short little guy. And he (laughs) loved singing. He loved singing and dancing. So every moment that he got, he got his like toy little guitar and he would like sing a little song for us and he would dance. And then he would just look at us and we'd all clap and he'd be like, "Yay!" (laughs) it was the cutest little thing. Um, But while we were there, they were like, you have to go to this small town called Te which is, so in like traditional like Aztec or Mayan cosmology or just like world belief, the god Quetzalcoatl, which is one of Mm -hmm. the main gods that they would uh, like worship, is... Was His birthplace was supposed to be this town in the mountains. And so they're like, you should go, because now it's just like a center, like a town where like there's a lot of healers or shamans or, or just like people doing like kind of that type of thing, like kind of new agey, but also kind of traditional. They're like, you would love it. Super short bus ride. Took like an hour. And uh, we went. It was the most beautiful little town. It was so quiet. And it was in the mountains, these like cobblestone roads and all the buildings were like beautiful colors and they had this market where they're just selling like delicious foods and it was so nice. But that's where we did the it's called the Temascal. Temascal. So the first place the place that we stayed was just this like little hotel. And they had a um, a local shaman come in and lead one. And I was a little skeptical. I was like, what is this? How good is this gonna be? Like at the hotel, like whatever, whatever. But we went and uh we 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 did it and it was really um they were so different. We did two. So we did this one, then we did one the next day. So this one, the guy led it and it was very like ceremonial, right? Like it was You go in, you go in the, it's like kind of like an igloo it looks like, but it's made out of like stone and stucco and there's Mm -hmm. a little pit in the middle and they would periodically open the door and throw in these hot lava rocks in the middle and they would throw water on it and there would steam come out, right? So the first session we did, the shaman who led it was, he didn't really speak English at all. So luckily there was another girl doing it with us who was translating for us which was super sweet and I appreciated it so much cuz even while she was going through it and like crying she was still translating. <laughs> I was like oh my god bless your heart like I would not be doing that. I'd be like y'all just need to like feel it cuz I'm not to translate <laughs> for you. But she did it the whole time it was like an hour and a half. Anyway so there you go in and basically there's four different They call them doors or portals, but it's like four different kind of uh, sections throughout the hour, hour and a half session, where like one section was like just acknowledging your physical presence. So as Mm -hmm. he was like chanting and drumming, he would like have us touch our feet, our legs, our belly, our chest, and like just, you know, feel our our own physical manifestation, getting comfortable in the space. I don't remember the second one, but the third one was all about pouring any negativity, Mm -hmm. like negative thoughts, anger, sadness, things that don't serve you. And you held your hands out, kind of like they were cradling an invisible ball. And the shaman said to imagine like a black orb, right, that you're pouring all of your negativity into. And that was crazy. (laughs) At first I was like, uh okay, this sounds a little, like, far-fetched, but let me try and imagine a black orb in my hand. And then, like, just with the heat and the drumming and the singing, and he would, and it was very communal because he would ask us our intentions or what we wanted to let go of or what we wanted to gain, and we would speak it out loud, right, and then we'd go around. and It was super cathartic. I felt, I almost feel like I'm still feeling the effects of it. Mm-hmm. It, I think I have a lot of pain and feeling that I don't allow myself to feel. Or a lot, maybe, but definitely some. Um, and I don't you know whether it's connected with like my mother's death or just pain and sadness that I've had my life or from myself or experiences, whatever. But I definitely felt like the shell was like being cracked open. So as I was like pouring all of my thoughts and energy into this orb, he had us throw it into the the pit afterwards to kind of release it. And then after the ceremony, we all left. Alari got out first. And then as you exited the little igloo, he poured cold water over you. So as I was about to crawl out, the girl who was translating for us, she just looked over to me and she said, be reborn. And then I was like, hmm. <laughs> I lost my shit. I started sobbing. And then I, and then I crawled out of the igloo and he poured this cold like water that had like, eucalyptus leaves in it. So it smelled really amazing. But it just felt like there was a layer of my skin that was like, peeling off, and I just, like, started crying and crying and crying and crying. I'm
0: getting chills, boo, just listening to this.
1: And I couldn't, like, the thing is, is that after I got out and I started crying, I think I should have just kept crying, because I stopped myself. I was like, okay, let me pull it together. Let me stop whatever. But I think the thing is, is that that was the whole point of it, was that it was supposed to be, like, a healing, and it was supposed to be releasing. And then Mm. I kind of just like, and I told Deloria, I was like, I feel like I could cry for like an hour right now. But then I did it and I just kind of like sucked it back in (laughs) and then just went about my day. So ever since then, I feel like it's been kind of a slow release. Um, Mm -hmm. But then the second one we did was really different and I'll make it briefer, but it was hotter. It was like twice as hot at least. This one was dealt a lot with like these different plants that the shaman used. So it's been in his family for like as far back as his family knows, right? It's a tradition that they do and they use all these different types of plants. So the whole floor of this particular temaskal was covered in eucalyptus and lavender and salvia and... A whole bunch of other plants I didn't know because they were all in Spanish. And at first we were just sitting up, kind of dealing with the heat. And then the heat got so hot that it would, it kind of reduced us to like, I was just face down in these plants, like curled in a fetal position because it was so hot. But it felt really good because it just felt really connected to nature. And even just having my face like pressed in these plants and like smelling the things they were giving off as the heat was also kind of like making me kind of reduced down uh, was a really interesting experience. It was ceremonial also, but less so because he wasn't in there with us. So he would tell us to do certain things. So we had these kind of like almost big sage sticks that he would tell us to wave around in the air above us. And when we did it, it would like pull down the heat. And it was just like this wave of heat, this really aromatic smell, He would give us this like cleansing tea every now and then. Um, And then at one point he gave us honey that we had to rub all over our bodies. So I was like covered in honey and Mm. curled up and just like face down in these plants, like just like reduced to like my kind of just like base. I don't know. It just felt free of pretense and free of like, oh, I got this or free of whatever. It was just like, I have to succumb to this because it was so intense. But then also feeling really connected with like the ground and the plants and also the honey was really amazing. And then at the end of it, he told us to stand up and there were these two holes that were plugged up with these dried plants and we had to pull them out. And the place was like pitch black the whole time. I, my eyes never got used to it. And then when we pulled out these plugs, it was just like these two perfect little beams of light coming into this little hut. It was like a dream. It was what? so crazy. It was insane. I'm trying
0: to, what? <laughs> Does
1: that make sense?
0: No, it doesn't. Not in my ability <laughs> to imagine that as real. <laughs>
1: no. Like, you know, I feel like it's something you see in a movie. Like, you unplug this hole and it, it wasn't even like the place got lit up. It was like only in this little beam, like this little beam of light that just came down and shone right down the middle. And it was like. I felt like I was in like my mother's belly. And then I got out and he was like he was like that's he was what did he say? He was like, How was it? And I was like, I feel like I was in I was like I was curled up in a fetal position, like on the ground. He was like, Yeah, it's like your mother's belly and I was like Yes. Like that's the only way and I think that's how they kind of contextualize it, it's like coming into a womb and then having an opportunity to be reborn.
0: What to say? I, I'm. I think I'm just really happy, or feel very grateful that you had that experience.
1: You know. Um. I don't know why I started crying. What the fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I
0: don't know. I. You're allowed to cry, and be moved by your experience, and it's like. You know, I. I think on some level, I. I hope that we all have those kind of experiences where we we get closer to something that feels more freeing, you know, and it might not be as grand or as ceremonial or as even like, you know, um, basic as what you felt. It might appear to us in very different ways, but I'm just it's a blessing that you had that experience. There is no doubt about that. And you will never forget that. Those feelings, that ball of light, you know, that orb. That you got to empty into. Like I wasn't even there and I'm like, I'm I'm over here with my arms out trying to imagine this black
1: orb. You know, That's what I was saying. After I left, I was like, let me just do that shit at home. Let me just do it like let me sit in front of a fire and pour some negativity into a black orb. Right? Fuck. Oh
0: my gosh. I'm so so happy. It's so funny. Like
1: it's basic, you know? It's just like Mm -hmm. it's visualization. It's heat, its nature, and its words, and mm. it can affect you so much like I felt like it I felt like stuff that I didn't even know was like compacted and kind of like shoved in was like starting to make its way out and get free, mm. and mm. I didn't even know it was there to the extent that I felt it, you know, but we can recreate that that's the thing.
0: So this morning, I reread over the things, you know, r- what we're going to talk about today. I kind of reread over what I had written and wrote a little bit more. Um, but I was playing Napalm's new album. And, mm. like, I 20 minutes before I sat down to read, I had just been, like, kind of guided by my by the music and by my own energy. And I'm at home by, by myself. Wayne's out of town. And I, and I just, I don't know if this thing came over me and I started to dance you know mm-hmm. and it just felt so I like I wasn't even thinking you know and it felt mm-hmm. like the most natural expression of whatever was inside of me and then when I sat down to read I had I was like overcome with so many feelings and I cried so hard Like probably just Mm. stopped crying like 10 minutes ago Mm. Um, because reading the things that I had written down and the stuff that I feel Mm. about life and, and people and like just being here, I was like, I don't know. It felt cathartic to just Mm. cry uncontrollably for like an hour solid. Mm. It felt good. It felt, Like kind of like what you said, like, you know, just like shedding skin, you know what I mean? Like throwing toxins, throwing all whatever energy was in there that was like repressed and dormant and afraid of being seen, like letting it go and just looking ugly while I cried and drooling (laughs) and like fucking snot everywhere and just letting that be the expression of everything that I hadn't let go, you know? It was so nice. It was so wonderful. And hearing you express similar sentiments in your experiences in Mexico, I'm just like, I'm just so grateful that we have avenues in which to release things, even if we repress them again or, like, you know, only give it like 60% when we want to go 100 It doesn't matter. I think that we've even had the experiences, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree for sure. I actually in try. Mexico- It's funny that you had that. Oh, no, no, sorry. I was just going to say that it's funny that you had that experience because I also, I just was, like, feeling a lot for some reason today. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I needed an outlet for it. You know, I think a lot of times in my past, I've just felt a lot and just kind of shoved it down and tried to, like, not, not feel it or not see it. Mm-hmm. Mm, and I think maybe just over time of talking with people like you and, you know, trying to get more connected with like yoga and stuff like that. I think I have maybe kind of like gained some sense of awareness of like when I do that, I can feel it pretty physically in my body. So, yeah. you know, even when I would see Jim, which was always interesting, I always thought that he would ask me, like, uh, trying to connect with a thought or a memory or feeling, and then he would ask me, like, where do I feel it in my body? Um, and he would be like, describe that sensation. Like, What does it feel like? Um, where is it located? Stuff like that. So then I came home because I was feeling it a lot in my chest and, like, in my throat, and it was just, like... I felt like pressure, and I was like, "Okay, I need to like let it go." So I just came home, curled up in the bed, and just started to cry. <laughs> mm. Mm. But I think it's so important to be able to give yourself space like that, yeah, where you can feel like you have the agency and the freedom to do that. Yeah. And it feels okay.
0: thinking yeah. about like what Thea said about you can take up this space without permission. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like there's, I find that sometimes, you know, and you described it a, a few minutes ago about how you kind of didn't let the crying continue, even though you knew that's what you felt. I find that sometimes mm-hmm. I allow, you know, my, the perception of who I, I might look like or who I might uh, be seen as, um, overtake what I really feel needs to happen in myself at that moment. You know, what I feel is true yeah. in what I'm saying or what I'm doing, and and I'll just stop it. I'll cut it off. and And it always feels so incomplete. And I always, not always, but at times I'm aware that I'm being incomplete. You know, I'm not fully mm-hmm. giving the attention to what's Asking for attention. Um, Mm. And I think sometimes that that can get in the way of like being like a fully expressed person, you know, because anything that's something that has been really important to me. But there are days when I still can't conjure up that space, you know, where I just feel like I can do that. Um, But it's a process. And, you know. Um, yeah mm-hmm. one day at a time
1: <laughs> totally
0: thank you for sharing your trip in Mexico you know the experiences and I really enjoy hearing you give things up and not because I want to hear you tortured or struggling but I just I like that we're never ending you know Yeah. You're embracing what never ending looks like. And -hmm. you're being never ending, you know? Like always shedding something back. Yeah.
1: There was that quote that I posted.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) On Instagram. Maybe I'll just read it really quick. Just because I feel like it speaks to exactly what you just said. It said, uh, a human being has so many skins inside, uh, covering the depths of the heart. We know so many things, but we don't know ourselves. Why 30 or 40 skins or hides as thick and hard as an ox's or bear's cover the soul? Go into your own ground and learn to know yourself there.
0: (laughs) Mm. So good. Well, just in case people listening do not know, we have already started this episode, so... (laughs) We're
1: deep in it. We deep in it. (laughs) So today, we are talking about... Well, okay. So I had a phone conversation with Brianna on Halloween, I believe, actually. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah, it was.
1: (laughs) That's funny. But it was about... Or, no, it wasn't quite Halloween, but I was carving pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, I think I was,
0: was at Halloween. a pumpkin
1: carving party.
0: Yeah, I think it may have been Halloween oh, here, okay. which they didn't... Okay, I didn't even have candy, and kids yeah. were showing up at the door, and I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, but she was telling me about... Wait, what was it that you listened to?
0: So I was watching um, Vice, and they had uh, a story on... Um, they's, they're kind of like, they're considered well-dying practices in South Korea, which South Ke- Korea has the highest, um, suicide rate in the developed world. Um, so they've kind of started thinking about the quality of life, um, as a, as a country and how they can tap into encouraging people to consider life as much as they consider death. So, um, some companies have created um, mock funerals, and that 's what the episode was about. It was about <clears throat> these mock funerals where people go and essentially they um, they might be depressed or just having a hard time they might be um, in the process of dying or they might you know just any manner of 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 their own feelings about death. they showed up with that um, raging you know as young as um, middle school age to elderly and people go they sit there and they write their own eulogies and they share them and they just release something and then some of these companies even have them get into coffins and they you know mm-hmm. shut the lights down and they just be with themselves in complete silence and darkness for you know half an hour and then essentially the the goal is that they feel reborn as they re-enter into life, almost as as if you felt like when, when you left, Hmm. um, that ceremony, you know, that sweat, um, what is it called again?
1: Temascal.
0: When you left the Temascal and Mm -hmm. you know that the girl says, um, and you're reborn. So the experience Mm -hmm. is to be reborn into life by contemplating Mm -hmm. their death. Um, Mm -hmm. and I just found it fascinating. Um, Fascinating, not in a voyeuristic kind of way, but in how people can take something as scary as death and ask you to go through the door in a way where you can release something so that life seems more possible, you know? Mm. Um, I, I was really intrigued by that and really inspired um, by that practice. Um, so, mm. yeah, that's what I shared with Terence.
1: I think it's so interesting that like I feel like if that was to happen here, it's just a different way of dealing with something that that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like if there was like if we were the highest suicide in developing the suicide rates, if we were the highest suicide rates in the developing country in the developing world, I feel like our as Americans, like that response would be like to encourage people away from the thought of death. Yeah. You know, to like, yeah. but I love the idea of like embracing mm-hmm. death because it is something that's like part of life.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you want to, um, so essentially in this episode, as we talked about it, the inspiration for it, um, um, I will say that if, if people feel at all sensitive to the the subject matter of death, um, and you don't feel like you're in a space to really go into, um, what death could be or feel like for people, um, or, or our contemplations on death, I should say, that's okay. And if anything, take care of yourself and, you know, you can stop listening and pick up on something else that we've done, listen to an episode, um, or go do something that fills your heart in a, in a healthy way that you feel. Um, if you feel like you can't be with this episode as we talk about our feelings on death. And as we read and share our, our expressions of what that looks like for us. Um, and hopefully, if you are in a space to be with this material, you can listen along and, and you know, be a part of what we're sharing right now. Um, I just want to put that in there. But um, I
1: appreciate that, Bree. Yeah, should, yeah. Should we Should we read it? I
0: think I think so.
1: <laughs> How did you feel writing this? I felt kind of like there are moments when I was like, "Oh yeah, this is good." I was like, "This is silly." Yeah, not like silly as an exercise, but silly like the things I was writing. I was like, "Who am I?" Like I don't know. Just no,
0: I. Like- <laughs> I felt the exact same. There are times I'm like, "Oh, girl, why? What is that? We trying too hard." And there are times where I'm like, right. "I feverishly yeah. wrote without even thinking about what I was writing, as I was sobbing on the page, and like, right. you know, there's like these watermarks on on my page, <laughs> just hard and crusty. And I'm just giving myself, and you know, and then there's moments I'm scratching shit out, like, "No, I don't want to <laughs> say that." Wow. <No." laughs> Um, that's funny but i think should i I'll, go, ahead. go ahead no no go ahead
1: no no what were you gonna say
0: i i remember when i saw that episode and i thought about this as a way for us to just talk about i was really self-conscious and to, to be honest to to even bring this subject matter to the show you know mm-hmm. um Because it's not something I think I openly talk about, but I feel reflections of it in my life. You know? Mm. Um, Whether it be, like, people I care about actually passing or, you know, dreams that I sometimes have. Like, I I have this one recurring dream um, and I haven't had it in a while, but I had it all through my childhood. Um, And, yeah, most of my life, I should say. But, I have this dream where my mom and I stopped to get gas at a gas station around our house. And we're living on, um, uh, what is that? I can't remember what street we were living on at the time. Um, But yes, we stop at a gas station and she gets out late at night. But this is late at night because me and my mom used to go grocery shopping at like 10 o'clock at night. And I have no idea why. (laughs) But um, so we're at this gas station super late. And she goes inside to pay and I'm sitting in this van and she's about to get back into the car and we're about to drive off and someone comes to her side of the car and pulls a gun out and puts it to her head. And I think it just kind of gets fuzzy from there, you know, but the feeling, wow. feelings in that, in that recurring dream of like, that kind of I don't know but it's something that I I think has kind of kept me away from talking about things you know Um, and has made death or losing someone very scary and also just actually losing people feels scary mm -hmm. Um, so I was hesitant to talk about this but when I saw that somewhere else in the world Um, whether or not people agree with it, that there are people doing interesting things around death. They are. There's the Zen Hospice Project as well, which um, I think is such a beautiful place. And this guy, he wrote this book called um, The Five Invitations. Um, And it's been, uh, essentially, it's like, looking at death um let me see I want to fuck this up so I'm gonna just quickly say this but yeah his name is Frank Ostasecki um Ostaseski I think and the five invitations is about discovering what death can teach us about living fully and as I read it like I mean some of the things he recounts he does it in such a a gentle way but in a very honest way on 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 hospice care and how people working through their death look at how they've lived you know um Mm -hmm. so there's been these inspirations lately to encourage me to delve into this area of you know life that I don't really talk about that much and I don't go into even emotionally go into and that's also part of why like We kind of, I, you know, brought this up. So I just wanted to say that that even talking about it right now, I'm kind of at a loss for for words and comprehension because Mm -hmm. I'm still so unsure of, like, how to express these things, you know. And even, like, what people might think about it or say about it, you know, I'm not going to lie. There is that fear um, of how confronting this might be for some people. So Mm. I just wanted to say that, yeah. Hmm. But we will proceed.
1: Well, I appreciate your like openness to to talking about it, and I I don't know. I mean, maybe like a. Hmm. I think talking about the, the, talking about death or like the possibility of dying or people dying is maybe like just the conversation might be, might come a little bit easier for me just because I was so in no, not not like comparison, but just for myself, I think I'm able to talk about it because I was so kind of confronted with it. Um, with my mother passing and it was such a such an interesting like strange experience to like see someone and like know that they were in the process of dying you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: like to know that it was like around the corner because of course it's going to happen to everyone, but like to to watch it. it was of course sad you know and hard and difficult emotionally and taxing and all of those things, but I think it was just like such a such an unknown experience it was i'd never seen it, felt it, you know, mm-hmm. like trying to feel like the best words. Cause there was something there, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't empty. <laughs> yeah. It, it wasn't like, I don't know if this is a, even a word, but like finality. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. it was something. You know, like, just looking into my mom's eyes and, like, seeing her kind of slip out of this everyday world into something else, whether it was just, like, more inward or what. Like, it was, like, a process that I could see Mm -hmm. and, like, witness. And it is something really powerful, it's something that's like a force. And I think that that's why, you know, there's so many cultures around the world that have this, like, honoring of death. Like, in Mexico, Dia de los Muertos, the whole day of, like, honoring those who have passed. And even the whole vibe there during it was, like, so different than anything I'd ever experienced. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't like Halloween. It wasn't like... there were you know, America has seeped into their culture just like it has every other culture in the world for better or for worse. But so there were kids running around in like costumes and they loved it obviously, right? But then there was this other part of it that was like, it felt like it had substance. Mm -hmm. Like it was this honoring of life through the process of death. So it was heavy, it was celebratory, it was kind of grim, but it was also beautiful, it was so, it was just, I never felt anything like that before, mm-hmm. just being there as they honored it, you know? Um,
0: yeah.
1: Mm. Okay, yeah. maybe I'll read my eulogy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, so mine, I, I don't know, it's kind of short. I guess I just kind of, like, summed up my life. It was a weird, interesting way to kind of, like, contextualize or just, like, to, like, view my life as a progression, Mm -hmm. you know, as, like, as a story, Mm -hmm. as something that would be retold. (laughs) I don't know why it's so funny. Maybe I'm just uncomfortable and it's like nervous (laughs) laughter. (laughs) Okay, so here we go. It says, Terrence Anderson grew up in the southwest side of Houston. As a young boy, joy, happiness, and a general excitement for life filled his mind and filled his body. Uh, Even the first days of schools would cause him to wake up, jumping for joy, and there's home videos to prove it. As he grew up, all of that feeling caused him to harden and protect a little bit. Now instead of unchecked feeling, it started to manifest as an undercurrent of fiery joy, but equally fiery sadness and angst. Thus, the teenage years happened. Those years were maybe a little bit quieter, more inward and generally more angry. He only allowed those close to him to take a peek at what was felt underneath, for better or for worse. Life progressed and the years went on, high school, college, and then due to unexpected circumstances, moved to New York City. This is where he would eventually feel something that resembled a purpose. But it took so many friends, it took so many yoga classes, so many cries and so many arguments but slowly over time it became clear that all of that feeling was a gift and the people around him weren't hindrance but they were connection his work was people his work was connection and his work was a homecoming of sorts to that part of him that was untouched by time or by space And that's what I wrote. Mm.
0: You don't say much sometimes, Terrence, but I don't know. It doesn't take much for you to say what needs to be said. I had to tell myself I wasn't gonna cry in this episode. this This just tired. I know, right? I'm always crying. <laughs>
1: you know by now. This is our third I season.
0: Know, <laughs> our second podcast. I, know. <laughs> uh, mm. I love the, the idea of homecoming, um, and it's mm. it's interesting to hear cause in in what I. Found um, the truest thing to say. Home came up a lot, like this idea of
1: mm-hmm. of being
0: where I'm just supposed to be, you know, um, and that kind of safety and love wrapped in in a home. Um, anyway, uh, thank you.
1: Thank you for listening.
0: I didn't really know how to write this, so I just wrote whatever was there. Um, And it's on paper here, so you're going to hear shuffling of pages. (laughs) Okay. Um, I said, What do I want to say? I'm writing this with my death in mind. It's immediately a difficulty. I want to say so much to so many, and at the same time, I want to just breathe in my own joys and my own sadness. Taking them with me, safely kept in secret. What would my life be if not without how we've all shared together? The families, our communities, my homes. I would have had no story without you. I'm not afraid, but as I write, I feel my attachment to life, my gripping to my friends, my family, the way the sun feels as warmth how have I embraced my life? You may have your own ideas about who I've been, the type of sister I may have or haven't been, the failed relationship we never wanted to save, the smile we may have shared, the rudeness I may have shown you, the love I gave you. Whoever I was to you, I want to ask that you find space to recreate me infinitely. It's a practice I've only recently, like in the last few years, been brave enough to attempt. There are days I've lived on our memories that to remember how you laughed held me up all day. You have no idea of how you being there and here made life worth living for me. A dear friend once told me that I was so used to baking my own pie and giving up each slice that I never knew what that pie even tasted like. That essentially, I didn't know the taste of my own love. Maybe that's true. At the time, it felt very real. And at 33, I can say I'm trying to love myself, even if this is an end. My heart, and my wellspring of gratitude, my joy, and my sadness is all vital to how I choose myself as much as I am able to. I recall many brunches filled to the tea with our realness. How I could fully talk to you. How I could tell you freely how much I loved you. How you admitted that you felt entitled to being great and were just now realizing you were no one. I wondered if you felt any freedom by your admission. How we all walked high as fuck to Fort Greene Park to stare at hot debt, playing soccer with his strangely talented toddler. How he wore jeans and sandals and how I saw your reflection, dancing to your sets and waking up to your generosity. How you combed my hair, my cheek pressed firmly on your thighs. How I've probably repressed all your sadness in an effort to preserve your courage, the way you cared for two kids on your own. How when we were held at gunpoint, my only thought was your safety. How much I pray that you are happy and if you are true, and if you truly knew that I owe everything to you. Always hoping one day to take care of you and all of our debt (laughs) so that we can live unencumbered by stress. You were my first love, my first best friend, my first hero, my heroine. I have become you in so many ways, and there is no other way that I have wished I could be. I see us learning how to play chess, how you are a father, and how I wish I told you more. That you are an amazing person. I learned from our anger. You are a daily presence, because we are too similar. I love that people always thought we were twins, even though I acted as if I was disgusted by that comment. If I knew then... What I know now, I would have told you how against all odds, we were two miracles. That our name would never define us. It would challenge us. But we would win every time we chose love over our anger. That I can hear how much you love me. when you tell me that I can always come home. Home. I want you to hear this. That I am at home. I was home. The day you hugged me close. Home was in your eyes and in your words. In our fears and in our makeups. How you have loved me as if I could do no wrong, and how insecure I became when you realized how I fucked up and how venomous I could be. You still fell in love with me. You praised me. You sang to me. You cried with me during a smoke session, gazed up at the stars imagining life happening somewhere in the darkness of an endless universe. How you held my body close in that clinic as I chose to give up life. You welcomed my tears and paid for my Uber as I went back to work pretending to be complete. To say I love you, to say thank you, still feels empty compared to what my heart carries for you. Life has been a miracle that I've, life has been a miracle that I even held space on this plane where I could experience the vibrations of music or food, of love. I have spent a lot of time complaining that I wasn't enough and that so much should have been different. But life has been a fucking miracle. Acknowledging that I am me because of you feels like the most natural thing to say. Because of you, I love me. That has always been how our magic manifested itself. And two, we became one and always stayed one. For me, you are a home. I love you, and I look forward to how we'll meet again. In which iteration of time and space we will see each other, I don't know. But it's a thought that brings a smile to my face, and peace and love in my heart. It couldn't have gotten any better than this, any better than you. Thank you.
1: That was uh, really beautiful.
0: It's like I can't even read it without just, like, sobbing, you know? And it's not that I'm sad, you know? And maybe I am a little sad, you know, to imagine what goodbye feels like. But more than anything, it's just, like it's like bountiful, you know, there's so much life wrapped up in these 33 years, and it's encouraging to look at it through this lens, even though it feels really difficult, and even though it's imaginary, because there are people really dealing with this and confronting their life in the presence of death, but as I do this, you know, I, it makes me like, Look back on my relationships and and people who've come in and out of my life, you know whether they're still around and just be grateful just to say thank you for like enriching this everydayness you know
1: <laughs> I'm just really uh I think hearing hearing your words made me really appreciative yeah of the things that I have and well thank you for that (laughs) (laughs) I think it's pretty cool like the idea that like doing an exercise where you embrace something that seems so opposite of living can just make you so appreciative of living
0: yeah yeah. This is my my off day, right? Sunday is usually my day where I just spend trying to get things done or whatever. And like after kind of looking back at the stuff I wrote and then writing some more and like just going through feelings, like I realized how much I wanted to just talk to people you know, I wanted to just mm. connect and call, you know, people I care about so much in my life, you know, and I talked to my nephew early this morning and, you know, it was just filled me with such energy. And then knowing that I was going to talk to you and, and, you know, I was just so excited by the day. And, um, about my mom and how I'm going to call her today. And it's like this list of people. And even when we started this, uh, when you called me or when you, you know, got ready to um, join the conversation for the recording, right? My nephew called. And at the same time, my sister called. And at the same time, it's so crazy. Naila was trying to call me, you know? Yeah. And, and all these people, Right. That kind of like reaching out, that remem- reminding me in a way of their their presence, you know. Like I don't feel like anyone ever leaves me. Ever, and that's yeah. I don't know. I love that feeling.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I was just sitting here thinking about well you and I was like, man, she needs to come to New York. But then I was also just thinking about how sometimes when I'll be out at places or, like, doing things, I'll just imagine you there. (laughs) And I'll just kind of, like, wonder, like, what would Brianna say? (laughs) Like, what would she be doing right now? Would she be dancing? Would she be laughing? I don't know. You don't ever leave.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You don't ever leave me either, you know? (laughs) Which is... Which is, I think, I'm I'm trying to block that less, you know? There have been things that, like, stood in the way of me accepting that, that I'm always going to carry people in my life with me, you know? I carry painful relationships that, and in those painful relationships, I still see really amazing people. I don't want to blame anyone or be stuck with the stories that made us wrong, you know, I just want to remember why you were there in the first place, you know, what you left me with, and, and there's never a deficit when I look at it, when I truly, truly look at the narrative and the story of my life, there's no deficits, there's some debt, there's definitely that, (laughs) Lord knows I I, owe a creditor or two, but (laughs) but there's no deficit in the stories of the people who, who have been with me and who are still with me. You know, I didn't lose anything, you know? Um, And that's that, that idea, you spoke about it as well. Homecoming, you know, it feels like the natural, the most natural place to be and I don't feel like I should be anywhere else. You know, even though I miss you, I miss my mother, I miss so much, so many things, you know, so many people, and being separated from from people has been difficult, but um, I don't know, like, I just, <laughs> I have, it, to be, the feeling right now almost feels slightly orgasmic. I'm not, I know this sounds strange, mm-hmm. but it's like
1: weird
0: (laughs) it's feeling my body like on this fucking cellular level it feels I'm like Mm -hmm. vibrating right now you know and it's an expression of something that just feels so much bigger than what I can speak on you know so if that's what I get out of this and you know by looking through death, by looking through this lens of, of death and dying in an effort to see where I can live more fully. If what I get is a sense of like gratitude and this like overwhelming, physical, vibrational love for what I have right now and who I have in my life past and present, like I'm, I feel okay, you know, I feel complete, and I don't know what the next day will look like, or the next month, or whatever, but I feel complete right now. And that's what I'm going to remember about this exercise, or this, you know, this endeavor that we just took on to just see and be with the feelings around death. And dying. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so appreciative that we've been able to share this and do this. Um, and I hope that my openness towards endings, you know, will help me be a bit more creative with my beginnings to see where I can make those happen. You know. Yeah.
1: I feel lighter. Mm -hmm. I feel I feel it's interesting like contemplating the idea of death and dying and I feel like it just now kind of allowed more possibility
0: Mm
1: -hmm. within myself. So thank you.
0: Yeah, I hear that, and I second that. Um, Yeah, I think today I'm just going to devote the rest of my time. It is 1230 in the afternoon on Sunday here, um, and I'm just going to devote – like, I want to devote the rest of my time just saying something to people, you know. Um, And as I wrote – even when I wrote this, I just – so many things flashed in my mind, so many people, you know? And I was like, fuck, you've been blessed. And not because I'm special, but because that's how life is. Like you wake up, you meet people, you see people, you speak with people, people speak with you. And if you look hard enough, I do believe that there is, it's there, like it's been there. You know, sometimes you just have to uncover what makes us being here so miraculous. Like you just have to sweep our own like negative coverings of it to the side even if it's momentarily and that's what this did it just allowed me to see all this stuff that i carried about relationships and about people it allowed me to sweep some of the the more negative engaging conversations around those things to the side and see like what was really there and it, again it comes to this concept of love and openness you know this creative act of being in the world requiring my love in order to feel filled up by it you know so i'm so 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 thankful for you in my life just like period point blank um and i'm i'm really appreciative of what's going on in my body right now <laughs> and in my heart right now <laughs> and how <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm so thankful. Um, I'm not special. You're not special. We're just in this world together, trying to be happy and trying to find. I don't know. Just trying to be human. Yeah. So thank you. And if you've been able to sit through this entire episode, <laughs> thank you, um, for the support and for the love and you know. I offer this exercise, um, you know, if it's something that you're willing or wanting to be creative with, um, to reflect on on what death would look like for yourself, um, not in the actual happening of it, but in the things you could say if you knew it was coming. Um, like what would you be afraid of of giving up? what would you be free to say if there was nothing in the way you know if the fear of tomorrow wasn't in the way of it Um, you also don't have to do that you can totally just be like ah cool moving on Um, which is more than okay Um, but thank you anyway for listening and as always for supporting parents and I Um, and I'm just so happy that we got to do this I miss talking to you and me too (laughs) yeah
1: very thankful. Okay. Well.
0: Check us out on iTunes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes.
1: Yes. Website, iTunes, all of those things, Instagram. Uh,
0: Follow us, like, like us, and
1: comment. Is that what yeah, it is?
0: comment. You know, subscribe. All of those things. <laughs> all those things um, that I'm not really comfortable asking you to do. Go do them. Yay! And social media. Yay! Go do it um all right well be well everyone and we love you all thank you for making our lives worthy and worthwhile and um
1: thank you thank you
0: bye
1: bye guys